Would you open God's precious holy word to Galatians chapter 3. You and I are going to be in verses 1 through 5 this morning. And from those verses, I want to bring you a message that I call bewitched and foolish. Not that my message is bewitched and foolish. But that the message reveals how believers can become bewitched and thus be foolish. At stake in the argument of Paul in his epistle to the Galatians is the one true gospel. There's only one gospel. The gospel is that we are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus nothing. We've studied up to this point in Galatians how Judaizers come in after the Apostle Paul has preached and planted a church, or the Holy Spirit has planted a church, and they are growing in the grace of the Lord, but the Judaizers come in from the Jerusalem church, which is the mother church in those days, and they do not accept the gospel of grace. They are convincing, trying to convince the Galatians that folks have to become Jews by ritual and ceremony before they can be Christians. So in addition to grace, you have to add some kind of works, some sort of designated behavior, human works. In this case, primarily the circumcision of the males and then the follow-up of rituals and other ceremonies to maintain to maintain a, a uh, bond with God. So then we continue. Paul has defended in chapters two and three, he, or chapters one and two, he has defended his apostleship and has hammered home the gospel of the grace of God. Now he is addressing the Galatians directly here with regard to their salvation experience. What about your salvation experience? Upon what does it stand? Bewitched and foolish. So let's look at it together. First of all, Paul says they are bewitched. Oh, foolish or thoughtless Galatians. The Greek word up there and non the alpha is the negation of non which is to think. So it's, he says, you are without thought. Oh, Galatians, who are without thought. Your intellect is impotent. You're not thinking. I hope that I have raised my children. And I hope they are raising their children to think for themselves. To think. Thinking, it gets us into that branch of logic and reason found. Uh, as a matter of fact, you have to really 
ground yourself in that kind of stuff if you're going to offer uh, apologetics for the Christian faith, uh, to defend the Christian faith. People who don't believe in Christ are not going to accept the Bible. So without using the Bible, how do people come to believe that there is a God? How can you lead them to the truth? Well, there are so many ways to do that, but you do it with, with argumentation and logic. Deductive reasoning. Deductive reasoning. To make a valid point and, and to build upon that point points that everyone agrees are true. So you go from one truth to another and you build a bigger building as you go. So now you, you move into the, uh, the sentential, sentential logic so that you move first into the modus pollens, pollens which is uh, if P, then Q. So you have an antecedent and a consequent and if the antecedent uh, stands and holds true and you move on and the consequent can be inferred and there you have it. If it begins to break apart, then you have modus tollens, which the antecedent is negated. And so it, if, if P, then, then not Q, see? And you move from there to hypothetical syllogisms and, and, and conjunctions and and absorptions and additions, and you come to the point of truth. You make a conclusion. You think for yourself. One thing after another. That's true, therefore this, or therefore this or this, in the case of hypothetical syllogisms. If, if this, but not this and this, then this, and so forth, until absolute truth is finally concluded. People just need to think for themselves. Why don't they think for themselves? We are, we are adrift in a sea of humanity today where by and large people let other people do their thinking and draw their conclusions for them. How silly is that? How thoughtless and foolish is that? This is where the Galatians were. They were adrift in a sea where they were letting other people draw conclusions for them. So Paul takes them into an argument. He brings them into deductive reasoning. And, and here it is. Foolish, thoughtless Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now that Ebaskinen, uh, that's the only place in the New Testament where that word is used. Generally, that's not a big deal, but when it's like this and it's the only, and it is a, it's a strange word for New Testament thought. Bewitch. The word means to lead someone in a fantasy or charm them into believing a lie to deceive them by charming them into causing them to believe a lie. Boy, aren't you glad you're in here and not out there? 
So they're charmed. Something has charmed them. Can Christians become, you better believe Christians can be bewitched. I've seen it many times in my ministry. Saved folks who have placed, they came to Christ justified only by grace through faith in Christ alone. And then some weird teacher comes along and bewitches them. Adds something to the beautiful, simple gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not all you can be. Or you are not what you think you are. Unless you add this or this. Or you're not where you can be. Where you should be. Oh, you're not up there where I am. You're going to have to add this and this. Yes, Christians can be bewitched. And I would tell you that the church is today and has always been replete with those who would come in and bewitch mindless Christians. Just let other people do your thinking for you. Well, that's asinine. Why would I let anybody do my thinking for me? Research these things. Think about it. Just use logic and reason. We all have a brain. We don't let that we don't need to be brain dead. We need to think. There's nothing wrong with thinking through things. Who has bewitched you? This is beautiful here. Before whose eyes, that is before the eyes of the Galatians, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as having been crucified. Let me take you through this here. Because this is important. It's all important. He says, proegraphe. Graphe means to imprint or write. Pro means before. Here's what he's saying. I preached to you, Paul says to the Galatians in this statement. What is being said is, I preached to you the pure and simple and true and only gospel. It was publicly portrayed in your mind, the crucifixion of Christ. That's why he says, before whose eyes Jesus was publicly, and there's that word, proegraphe. In your mind, it was inscribed. As I preached, you saw it in your mind and in your heart. You saw the Christ of God on Calvary's cross, suffering, bleeding, dying. You saw it and you heard the call of God in Christ to come to him by faith because you saw in yourself the sinner for whom he was dying. You heard the hammer's hammer. You heard the crowd's gasp and the women's sob. You saw the blood. You recognized his suffering. All of this was plain in your mind's eye. You were there and you saw it and it was applied to you. And it was real to you as though you were there. And then he says, as having been crucified. 
Estharomenos. Now that's, stay with me here because this is theologically important. It's all, what part isn't? That Greek compound word is in the perfect participle passive. Let me tell you what that means to you and me. That means the cross has never stopped. It just keeps going and going and going. It's like if you came to Christ today, having never been saved, but now the gospel is imprinted upon your mind. And you see him and you feel him and you know he died for you. And you hear his agony and see his agony and hear his cry. Father, forgive them. And then finally, it is finished. And you know all of this is for you. It it tells us that the cross is happening today for you, just like it happened way back there in Jerusalem in that day. The cross never stops. It just goes on and on. Jesus being crucified on the cross, that is why the Holy Spirit of God puts it in the perfect participle passive in the Greek text. Christ is being crucified today just like he was then. That's why someone can come to Christ knowing that the power of the cross and the blood of Christ can be just as equally applied today as it could have been back in the day where he hung there on the cross. You saw it in your heart, in your mind. It was portrayed in your eyes. And you knew the cross was happening right then for you, just as it always does for whoever would come in the effectual call of God to be saved. You knew this. I only wish to learn, now given that, okay, this is the beauty of Paul's reasoning. I only wish to learn this from you. We all know that this is what you saw and felt on the day when you were saved. I only wish to know this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? These guys, these Judaizers hadn't even come in yet. But you rejoiced in your salvation. You saw in your mind and in your heart what Christ did because the Spirit applied it to your heart before they brought in this bunch of stuff about the works of the law. When you were saved, it was by the hearing of faith. Tell me, Paul says to the Galatians, on that day when you were convicted and collapsed before the Christ of God in confession and repentance and by faith took Christ into your life, Was there any law there that was required of you when you were saved? Now, I want you to notice this. He begins with God the Son. 
He continues his argument with God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't apply salvation to you by works. You didn't have to do something in addition to what the Spirit did or what Christ did on the cross. That's an insult to Christ. It doesn't say in the perfect participle passive plus something else. It is that way because there is nothing else but the cross of Christ. That's it. We carry this gospel message everywhere. We preach this message. And by the grace of God, he will reveal to those whom he will call to himself the reality of the cross. And the Holy Spirit will apply it by their hearing of faith. And thus they're saved. There are no works involved in this at all. Christ did it all. There is nothing else. So I wish to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit? Now we all, listen, when we're saved, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and we, if, if God would be so pleased and the church has not been caught away and if I still live and we can still come together and you have not run me off, after Galatians will be Ephesians. Man, Ephesians is the pinnacle of all of it. Oh, Ephesians. He says in Ephesians, the Holy Spirit is given to you as a pledge. He's a down payment in your life that you are absolutely saved and you will be glorified. God will pay as he promised and will glorify you. Yes. What is it? Romans 89. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit of God. We receive the Spirit, how? By the works of the law? No. By hearing of faith. So many things happen to us at that little moment when we just receive Christ. It's an eternal thing. Things written in eternity that we don't know about right then. Things happening from the triune God that we really don't understand at that point. We just know by the hearing of faith that Christ was crucified for me. Well, what else do you need to know? I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. There is only one Savior, Christ, who died on the cross and he died for me so that I don't have to. He paid the price so that I don't have to. He suffered the penalty and I won't have to pay it because I've come to Christ. I died in Christ, Christ lives in me and I am raised in Christ. The same thing applies in his resurrection. Some wonderful day, the resurrection that is Christ, the spirit that raised him from the dead, Paul said to the Romans in chapter eight, will raise you from the dead as well. So yes, the Spirit is in me. How did I receive the Spirit? By hearing of faith, not by works of the law. Of course not. Of course not. They had been charmed into thinking something else. But they were mindless too. They were foolish. 
So are you foolish? Have you, have you thought this out? Just think. There's an invitation in the Old Testament. Just come and sit down at the table with me, God says, and let's just reason together. Just reason this thing out. Think of who you are. Put the law of God on the table and put pure, holy God, all-powerful God on the other side of the table and see if you can look at each other in the eye. Well, you can't. Job said, I can't do that because there's not an umpire. There's not a daysman. There's not a referee between us. There has to be something else on the table so that I can be in that person and God can be in that person and we can meet together. That's what Job said. Well, that's you and me. Just reason this thing out. How in the world do you think that you could ever stack up to the standard that God gave to the human race? The all-powerful, almighty God, holy and pure. And I am depraved and lost and vile. My thoughts betray me. I have to have a savior. So are you foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? Oh, I started out there but I'm being made into what I need to be made by my obedience to the rituals and ceremonies of the law. So are you foolish? Isn't that a foolish thought? That's a, that's a mindless thought. That's impotent intellect. There's nothing to that thought. You know this isn't how it is. Did you suffer? Did you suffer so many things? Uh, experience. Did you experience so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. The one, okay, we said Paul is applying the Son, Jesus Christ, who was crucified. The Spirit who applied through hearing of faith and now the Father. The one therefore supplying you the Spirit and working miracles among you. Is it out of works of the law or out of hearing of faith? When you abuse the beautiful, simple gospel of Jesus Christ, the wonder, the miracle of salvation. And you think that you have to add other things to it or hang, uh, hang delicacies on it. You know, I'm saved, but I gotta, I gotta be more than what I am, so I have to do this, this, and this, and add this, this, and that. You are insulting, even attacking the triune God himself, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's pretty dangerous ground to stand on. So then, 
Is it out of works of the law or out of hearing of faith? The beauty and the wonder of the miracle of my salvation that God gave to me through grace. It was a gift. I didn't pay for it. I didn't earn it. There's nothing I can do to keep paying on it, to keep it. It's all of grace. All of grace. Justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus nothing. Nothing I can do to save myself. Nothing I can do to enhance my salvation. Nothing I can do to keep myself saved. Absolutely nothing. I'm just a disciple of Christ now. And I have all that I need in his word. And so I grow, please God. I grow in his word. And the Holy Spirit of God sets me free and I can think. I can think. Sanctified thoughts. There's no higher thought than the sanctified thought that leads us to absolute truth in which rests the beautiful, simple, single, only gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Going to handle the invitation a little differently, given the situation and all. There are three things that everybody here needs to attend to. You need to be attentive to these three things, all three of them. Number one, you need to be saved. How can I be saved? The Bible says if you just admit that you're a sinner, if you believe in Jesus Christ as the resurrected, only begotten Son of God, and by confessing sin, if you will call upon the Lord, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You need to be saved. That's number one. Number two, you need to be an obedient Christian. Your salvation doesn't hang on those works. But you grow in Christ with one of the first acts of obedience, which is baptism. It is a beautiful statement to everyone who sees it that the old person is dead and that the new person has been raised into newness of life. So baptism is important for you. And finally, church membership is important. To be an official part of a local body of believers who are joined together by the Holy Spirit in a place like this, such that together, wherever we are, we can, we're, we can be online and still be the body of Christ. But you need to be a member of a church. You know, that was it that seller of purple who was going from one place to another and Paul wrote a letter of recommendation for her to where she was going and said, I want you to receive her 
into your membership because she is such a valuable Christian lady, wonderful Christian lady. So the Bible teaches us that it's right. There were the, there were the saints at Thessalonica, there were the saints at Ephesus and so forth and so on. Those three things, salvation, then be baptized according to the command of Christ, be part of the church. Here's how we're handling the invitation, okay? As you exit, you'll see two rooms, the prayer room and the last room on the hallway there before you get to the exit. We have deacons and their wives there ready to talk to you about any one of those three things. Any one of those three things as you exit. Not going to ask you to come forward or anything. If God is speaking to your heart, you'll know it. He speaks louder than I can. All you have to do is to go in one of those rooms. And they'll pray with you and take you through what you need to be talked about with regard to Scripture and the truth of it, okay? If that's what God wants in your life, you stop by one of those rooms and then we'll take it from there later, okay? All right, let's all stand and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Thank you so much for being here. Father God in heaven, Lord, how beautiful is the gospel. And according to the prophet who is quoted in, by Paul in, in Romans, how beautiful the feet. How will they hear if they're not told and how will they be told unless someone is sent? How beautiful the feet of those who bring the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we've had today to talk about the gospel. Father, I pray that you'll shield us from, from sickness and harm. Guard us in these strange and dangerous times. And help us, Lord, to be stronger and stronger in our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.